Howdy doody, you highwoman dandies, it's Chappie, the British butler. Keep calm and cauliflower cheese, episode 166, clickety-click, as they used to say in the old bingo halls. 66, cockety-cluck. And that's where we've reached. We've reached the heady heights, soaring above the uh, precipice that is keep calm and cauliflower cheese. And it's 166 today is the, uh, is the number. And trying to decide what I'd wear today. So it's one of those days here in Colorado where we're going to get a phenomenal shift in temperatures. It's going to go down 70 degrees Fahrenheit. 70 degrees is going to be going down uh, over the course of the next day or so. So what are we today? Mid-60s, we're going to be well below zero. It's going to feel like minus 7 degrees Fahrenheit, which is, I think, the record from 1899. That'll be on Tuesday evening. And I think Wednesday is going to be the same. So I bet you, by golly, I'm going to have to find the long johns and the hair shirt and probably the thermal underwear and the sock on the end of the old boy. Everything is going to be required to keep things uh, to keep things warm and not so chilly. I don't know what I'm going to do about the dogs. I've got this magical stuff that I've put on their feet, and I'm going to do a little bit of a uh, little bit of a case study for you, a little bit of a consumer test for you over the coming weeks. Now I have those sort of hard, cracked, trotter-like skin on my feet. I'm going to rub some of this uh, magic Dr. Musher's. Uh, it's, it's like this ointment. It smells uh, like some sort of expectorant or something. I mean, it's a little bit Vicks vapory and the rest of it. So I'm going to rub it on my feet and see what happens. Now, if I start growing very hairy toes and claws and, um, you know, maybe with a penchant for, uh, you know, rawhide or marrowbone, then you'll know that I probably made the final transition to becoming a dog. I mean, many people said that I became a dog a long time ago. But uh, there we go. That's where we are. That's that's what we have coming along the way in terms of the meteorological weather. I know Storm Eunice battered the UK. Hope you all are okay. I mean, how about that tree? There's a huge tree that came down on the coverage they were showing. And then the spire came off. I mean, we haven't seen things like this since uh, the Great Storm or the Burns Night Storm in the UK in 1990, the Great Storm in 1987. So I hope you're all well, and I hope that your wigs are securely attached to your head. Or you've been managed to hold on to them and pop them on the old porcelain head, as my dear mother does every night. I'm only joking, dear mama. Yes, I'm only joking. So we're settling into another lovely Sunday hymnal version of Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese. And it's uh, spitting to be here, as always. But I was reading a little piece in the London Times here. We're going to kick this off today. But I didn't know what to, what to wear. I had the fleece on. Now I'm very sweaty. Now I'm basically doing the podcast in my undercrackers. Yes, 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 yes. So we don't really want that to, to happen here. That's not, a, that's not a good situation. So I'm feeling a little bit chilly-willy. Um, so... I got my partners. I know this happens very often that if you can't find sort of uh, any pajamas or anything to put on in the morning, um, then you might put your partner's shirt on or sweater or t-shirt or whatever. Uh, but normally it's the, uh, the you know the the bigger partner's shirt or whatever. But today I'm very cold and I don't want to step away from the microphone because I'm uh, trying to entertain the masses here and. Um, 
It'd be terrible. I'd lose my flow. I might get uh, podcaster's block or something. Yes, I said podcaster's block. Uh, the other, you can probably put some sort of expectorant. Maybe the uh, ointment from the Dr. Musher's ointment would go very, very well if you have the old podcaster's block. Anyway, I'm going to slip on my lovely girlfriend's robe. Put this on. Yes. Oh. It's a little bit like a cape. It's very small, incredibly tight. My bustier is busting out, so to speak. But you know what? I I sort of feel like I I imagine back in the day, in the wartime days, I imagine that uh, people at BBC, they used to slip on, they had like a robe on and probably a a cravat or ascot on when they're doing the nose. Hello there. Yes, we're live here from BBC and we're Marylebone Street here. And uh, we're, we're broadcasting, and uh, Mr. Churchill's made his way to the Commons, and uh, he lit up his cigar, and he took a swig of his scotch, and uh, he is addressing the nation and about Hitler and the invading... And, uh, anyway, you imagine that sort of thing going on here. Uh, I, my ascot's over there. Uh, come on, I mean, whatever podcaster has an ascot ready at hand, I mean, that puts me in a, in a, in a different sort of class of... Uh, audio broadcaster doesn't it but i feel yeah i feel quite almost the finished article with the robe on here quite comfortable soaking up a little bit of sweat my darling's not listening i had to give this a boil wash but i feel i feel rather accomplished now is it like a type bbc anyway now I feel like I'm ready for action. I'm like a coiled spring, ready for action. But I, I do feel a little bit like Hugh Hefner without the Me Too at the moment. Maybe a different subject. No, definitely not Hugh Grant. I, mean, do you, I think Hugh Grant would look good in a, in a sort of uh, robe or smoking jacket or something. Uh, but I'm probably more Hugh Fernley Whittingstall, all the hair and all. That's probably uh, more of uh, my cup of tea. Or possibly even Hugh Jass. I just got a text in from my darling, and she said, you look very handsome. How, how, how could she see me? Well, probably not in this robe. I mean, she can't. She saw me in just wearing her robe. I mean, it could could be uh, could be curtains. And they wouldn't be the uh, floral, fragrant type of curtains. They would be rather dusty and musty. On the podcast today, Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese, we have a packed show. On the show the other day, we did explain how I explained cricket via the vehicle of all creatures, great and small, how I like to have huge amounts of packing tape delivered to my house every three months. And now I have a mountain of basically packing tape. And I thought, well, you know what? It'd be perfect. I could put sticky tape all over my back. It'd give myself a, a good old back swack. I mean, have you, ever tri- have you ever tried to undo a box that has this tape on? I mean, I imagine it, it would probably... They always say that giving birth is the most painful thing. You know, men obviously don't go really go through that. Um, kidney stones, everybody goes through that or can do. But I think, imagine putting packing tape all over your back, especially if you're a little bit hirsute. That could probably uh, call, bring the tears to the eyes of even Big Daddy or Giant Haystacks, I would say. So explain cricket. Uh, also... Uh, how I might want to go out of my way to find the perfect uh, poop bag. Netflix is now Sexflix. Uh, but today, though, we're going to be discussing my sort of impressions a week later of the Super Bowl and the coverage. 
Uh, also, there was a funny smell in my closet. Um, we had a little bit of a disaster with a beverage last night on the couch. Yes, and uh, how I like a rock and roll Saturday night. A rock and roll Saturday night. And, um, I mean, we, we've always found that... Uh, does wearing less clothes help your productivity? We'll be discussing that as well. Softboard hating ghosts. We never talked about that yesterday. Uh, you'd be careful when you're slipping and sliding on the ice. And also how you need to put a pep in your day. How you would like to heat up and get everything circulating, invigorating through the course of the day. We do have more Trump and trombone. We do have maybe some rate your plate. Uh, so it's a real fun packed delicious type of show today so stick around it's your sunday uh, i won't force you to do any hail marys uh, if you want to uh, pray to the audio gods that this uh, podcast may get slightly better over the course of the hour you can do that Glenn, it's going to be a roller coaster ride well probably more like uh, one of those old time fairgrounds where you get on the teacups and then you get a carney and he's probably realizes that you're a like school boy and uh, wants to spin you around until you puke you turn that blue little teacup pink. Oh, I knew I shouldn't have had the smoked salmon for breakfast that morning. Come on now, keep your hands off my lucky charms. There's a lovely little book review out in the uh, Saturday Review of the uh, London Times. Nudism in a Cold Climate by Annabella Pollen. <laughs> I mean, what a perfect, uh, what a perfect name, Annabella Pollen, for uh, a nudist camp. Because, I mean... It, that's one thing. If you ever have hay fever or any sort of seasonal allergies, you still you soon start forgetting about your runny nose, your dripping nose, your congestion, your coughing when you see a bunch of naked torsos all around you, especially the ones that are probably over 60 and haven't seen the light of day since 1925, something along those lines. But in this book, in Carry On Camping, the highest grossing British film of 1969, Sid James and Bernard Breslau tried to, tried to inveigle their prudish fiancés into spending their holiday at a nudist colony. Once they arrive at the damp field, there ensues hilarious misunderstandings based on our national mix of outrage and salaciousness. You know what? Can I get a t-shirt made? This is a show. This show is a mix of outrage and salaciousness. It is a mixture explored by Annabella Pollen in a fascinating history of British nudism in mid-20th century. For it is one hand, the Federation of British Sun Clubs, as nudist colonies called themselves, who wish to promote modern ideas. I mean, this is before you uh, basically uh, slip-slop-slap. Or maybe there was slip-slop-slapping going on in the nudist colonies. Who knows? But they wish to promote modern ideas about exercise, diet, exposure to fresh air, and they're also keen on more on titillation and sexual desire, or what the Jimmo's the magazine for nudists, who we think dismissed as desecration, filth, and abuse. Did these Arcadian fellowships really stand in simplicity, temperance, and continence? Or were they, as Sid and Bernie hoped for, a boon for the peeping Tom exhibitionists? To get quickly out of the way, to answer everybody's question on everybody's lips, erections were always out, so to speak. A writer for that magazine, Health and Efficiency, was adamant that unclean thoughts were highly unlikely, and if a man became aroused, the chap concerned would be automatically be shown the door. The origins of 20th century nudism were twofold. First, it was an erudite and antidote to the constricting Victorian Edwardian costume, the suffocating collars, 
studs, hats, waistcoats, heavy boots men wore, corsets, veils, petticoats, lace shoes and ropes of jewellery imprisoning women. Such clothing represented, according to one early nudist, the iron chains which civilization and custom have riveted on suffering humanity. The daily dress of the office worker was insanitary, uncomfortable and imbecilic, according to nudists and enthusiasts who Pollen described as political philosophers promising radical utopias. And the other proponents, unfortunately, were the Nazis. In Germany in the 20s, there were 200 nudist clubs with lots of naked young women dancing gymnastically and in pastoral settings, as well as taut, muscular and tanned future stormtroopers. British devotees hoped to bring sun and air bathing, bought plots of land in Billericay, Wickford in Essex and Bricketwood in uh, Hertfordshire. There was also another compound in Hendon in northwest London. They purported sylvan glades actually sewed very seedy but they're splintery picnic benches i mean that's the worst thing in the world you arrive at the nudist camp you get naked you drop drop trowel and then you sit on the bench and you get a splinter somewhere i mean it would be so embarrassing going to the next door uh next door campsite or next door tent and ask well i'm so sorry do, 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 do you have a pair of tweezers I mean, it's slightly grotty, grotty swimming pools as well and grotty showers. Nevertheless, nudists behaved as if on Sunday school outings, picking their way through the bracken, putting up canvas bell tents and taking tea in floral cups and saucers and folding tables. I mean, that's when you do really do not want a hot cup of tea dropped in your lap, do you? Sunray clubs or new health societies, a smiling lady called Dorothy wandered around with Usherette's tray of chocolates. Yes, I don't know if I would go for the soft center. Well, I mean, if you want, I wouldn't go for the hard centre either. That could give people the wrong impression, couldn't it? The image was wholesome. Camps were strictly teetotal and vegetarian and naturism with more, uh, with no more breach of peace than as the 1950s practitioner puts it, breeding canaries or collecting horse brasses. God, I'd be around in the, six, around in the 50s and 60s, collecting and breeding canaries and collecting horse brasses. So they cook baked beans, jacket potatoes over a campfire. Baked beans are probably the worst thing to cook other than sizzling sausages. Because baked bean, once the sauce flies up, is molten hot. You could really scold the jewels. Yes, you could scold the jewels. Those keen on being in the buff were told handicrafters, yoga practitioners, hikers, aspiring intellectuals and cranks wanted to cure things with mud and magnetism. Yes, what a bonding exercise. Good old-fashioned, good old romp in the mud. It's good for everything. It's very invigorating, without a doubt. It looks an absolutely fascinating book, but the, the basic review is Pollen keeps an entirely straight face throughout. Her book generously sprinkled pictures of nudists leapfrogging or making tea. Yes, watch out for the dripping tea bag. As well as men flexing in budgie smugglers. Not too much not too much flexing or the budgie may escape. Reads like a no-nonsense academic thesis. Between the lines, her portrait of hidden and bonkers Britain emerges. And the, the reviewer couldn't stop laughing. And it's called Nudism in a Cold Climate. A situation where hand warmers cannot help you. Hey Sid, I'm having trouble getting it up. <laughs> There's a Super Bowl last week. Yes, the Super Bowl. And I thought, you know what? I, I, I've been living in America for 20 years or so. And I have been to see a couple. I saw a couple of Bears games, believe it or not, back in the day. Long time ago. 
back in the early 2000s. Uh, but I, I just don't understand it. And the stopping and the starting and the starting and the stopping and the timeouts and everything else. I just don't get it. And I said, well, Chappie, you've watched cricket for five days. That is the epitome of boredom personified watching paint dry. A sport, basically, where we're watching the paint dry. I, I, I find cricket more interesting. I find cricket more exciting. And there's many of you probably turned off. There's many of you saying, who's this fool on the podcasting wireless thingy and is spouting a lot of nonsense about American football but you know what so I watched the halftime show and I absolutely loved it I mean I'm of that age where that era of uh, of rap gangster rap was fantastic now everybody looked a little bit washed up Dr. Dre Snoop Dogg Mary J Blige um and also Eminem as well. He was there, wasn't he? Now, he injected quite a bit of life into the whole situation and occasion. But after the halftime show, I thought, you know what? I'm going to watch the rest of this game. And I watched it. And I was quite enthralled by it. I wanted the bagels to win, though. Is that, is that what they're called? The bagels? I mean, my favorite's always the egg bagel. Oh, I love, it. love an egg bagel. You can't get egg bagels very much anymore. I don't know where, why I can't find egg bagels. But anyway... The Rams won. I thought they were a St. Louis team. I think when I watch football more, they think we're franchised to St. Louis or something along those lines. But here's the thing. I had to turn off the commentary. I couldn't handle the tedium of the play-by-play commentary from two old farts. Now, here's my suggestion. How you get football to become a little bit more interesting. I know a lot of gals, a lot of boys obviously watch it. But first of all, you take the attractive supermodel who does the um you know commentary and uh, the uh, interviews on the sidelines you take her away and you basically put one of the chippendales or maybe thunder down under on the touchline because i'm wondering what you know these football if you had the thunder from down under now those guys used to be didn't they used to be firemen they, they wouldn't have any nonsense would they struth mate that was a bad play. What do you think about cancelling neighbours? God, I'd love that as a question, wouldn't it? Like you, you talk to... He stops painting Manon for like an interview or something. Whatever happened to Harold Bishop? But there we go. So you have got the thunder from down under a Chippendales doing the, uh, doing the interviews on the side or the live news from the touchline. Okay. The goal line. Is it touchline, goal line? I get very, very confused. And then in the commentary box, you get, a, you get a couple of ladies in there. Get a couple of ladies who, you know, who, who may, have played, may have played football in the last 20 years. You get them in there doing the play-by-play rather than a couple of old crusty farts. So you change it up. Thunder down under Chippendales on the touchline and a couple of knowledgeable amusing insightful ladies in the commentary box and that's how i would improve football so i had a rather lovely night last night so what did you do chap did you go out for a fabulous meal did you go and take paint the town red did you get your clothes sticks out and go clubbing no none of that none of that i mean i think as you get older you appreciate the little things in life good company 
a trip to Sam's Club. Ladder situation, so old Chappy Towers, uh, old Chappy Towers is one thing. Built in the, built in the, like, the 19, early, I think, late 1970s, early 98. But new Chappy Towers, much smaller, smaller outfit here. But I discovered some nasty little mould around and about the uh, new Chappy Towers yesterday. So I spent most of my evening scrubbing with bleach across the windowsills. And I had to, I had to sadly get rid. But I, George, the Border Collies now, and recently anyway, been uh, laying on that used to be the chaise long, the, uh, the cushion of the chaise long that I've had since 2008. And I've had all my lovely dogs. I've had Eddie, the Border Collie, I've had Duke, the Rat Terrier, Jack, the Rat Terrier, Lizzie, the Corgi Chihuahua mix, um, Maggie, the Corgi, and obviously George, the Border Collie as well. So George has been laying on this. I lifted it up and it looked like it was a biological experiment or a piece of Stilton cheese. So dampness near the window, got onto the bed underneath, and it's probably lucky your host is still alive. So bleached everything, got everything spiffingly clean and um and then my darling and i went over to home depot and got another bed for george george loves this new bed it's like you could have got like a water bed the the best bed in the world with the comfiest mattress with perfect thread count uh, sheet wise i mean this is how this is the dog bed equivalent and, and she absolutely adores it now i would get one for maggie too but Maggie, uh, you know, the situation with Maggie is she would chew the bugger to shreds. So she gets some nice fluffy blankets that she can pull through the cage. It's basically her new favorite game is uh, with her long nose, pushing or threading the blanket through her crate and then pulling it the other side like a tug of war. So yeah, yeah, she's she's not got the, uh, the dog bed. She's got some fluffy sheets there. So George was loving this, got back. Everyone was clean getting sitting down to watch the tinder swindler yes i know perfect the tinder swindler is perfect saturday night viewing i hardly recommend it but however this guy has got away with it and he's still on tinder nobody knows well worth well worth a watch it's a good documentary film so then i'm very very careful about my couch never polish it all now and again give a good old buffing but anyway sat down i often have a a uh, a fluffy blanket over it to protect it but then my darling spilt uh, strawberry lemonade all over the couch and with the calmness and lightness of touch and a very good leather cleaner she cleaned it and she assured me that it'd be fine I was like panicking here because I'm, I'm always constantly worrying about spilling a, a cup of tea over it and everything else but anyway perfectly polished absolutely fantastic so my night uh, consisted my Saturday night Hands and knees scrubbing away some mold, getting a new dog bed. Oh, I had to also cast the old dog bed. It, it should have really been given sort of um, some sort of crematorium or something or or some burial because it's such a it's such been a such a it's been a staple in my life for probably since 2008 here. And then so went to Sam's Club. And then uh, spent the, basically the rest of the evening cleaning the couch and then the Tinder Swindler. That is the evening, Saturday night, for a mid-40s gentleman who back in the day used to rock a fat one. That isn't all though. 
So I was going into the boudoir, looking for my darling's robe, and uh, went into my closet, and I thought, what the hell's that smell? Now, it wasn't like an old pair of cheesy socks or chappies, uh, chappies slippers that have uh, infestated with uh, blue cheese, Stilton, and maybe some gorgonzola. No, that was not the case. It was something even more pungent than that. And it wasn't an old potpourri that I tied up and put in there for good luck. It wasn't the pressed flowers that are between my ancient copies of Great Expectations. No, none of that. It was the smell of pot. Basically, whoever the uh, chap is or chapess who's next door to uh, Mini Chappie Towers here, New Chappie Towers, is basically been smoking a spliff, smoking a big old Camberwell carrot, and the smell of the marijuana was emanating through. And you know what? I'm now going to have tweed smelling of the ganja. Or my nice pressed, uh, my pressed French cuff shirt is now going to smell of the marijuana. <laughs> you, just can't, you just can't make this stuff up. And it is, I mean, I, who thought walls would be porous? Because I think if I went into that closet and sat in the closet, I mean, many people have been saying I've been sitting in the closet for a number of years. Ha ha, ba-boom. Um, I, I, I probably wouldn't be able to pass the drug test. I would have to do the situation of uh, Wivnell and Wivnell and I where I'd have to uh, trap a, uh, you know, tie a bottle of, of child's urine to the zipper, you know, if I needed to give a urine test. But I would not pass a drug test, I think, if I sat in my closet for the rest of the evening. I mean, it was like a smoker's den. It, it, I could have been in Marrakesh. That is how thick the smoke, the smog, the stench of Colorado weed emanating from the porous walls. And that was part of my evening. You know what? You start the evening off at off at Sam's Club, cleaning away uh, mold, and then you end the evening sitting in your closet, basically getting high off Billy the next door neighbor's marijuana habit. So another delightful Twitter handle is rate my plate now on Twitter. You saw this in the week. It's Rick R's creation, homemade chicken vindaloo and pilau rice. And this is some of the comments from Dead Cat Society. Recipe. Open packet. Heat for four minutes at 800 watts. Scatter privet hedge over dish to create authentic look. Serve in dish you nick from the Indian restaurant. Eat in front of the TV using chopping board as tray. Yum. 10 out of 10 for the effort. Tez says, we get to decide if it's delicious. Rick, one mark deducted for the audacity. And this is basically a very, very soupy looking vindaloo. There's a lot more sauce than rice. Eaten with spoon on couch, says Lapsed. Looks top notch, and once you've finished, you'll be able to use a steel bowl as a chamber pot, which you'll no doubt need after the vinda need the loo. Next time, don't cut the grass after you plate it up. Looks too good for this thread. Garlic naan and a load of popper doms, and I'm sold. And finally, Donna said, A shart with peeler rice, a fart that went wrong. There was a fascinating article in the week about Gen Z's. Gen Z's are on speed. From voice notes to uni lectures, they fast forward everything. Don't blame us, we're in a hurry. So it took, the, it took three uh, Gen Z's 
and they basically described the speed of their life. Georgina said, I haven't read a book cover to cover for years. I'll get quarter of the way through it and then lose interest and skip to the final page. I just can't be bothered to slog through the rest and find out how the story ends. Why do I do this? Because I'm a skipper. I'd rather jump ahead to the good bit and then take the time to do something slowly and risk becoming bored. Now, she wouldn't like this podcast, would she? It's not just about books. I'll fast forward to the middle of the song to hear the chorus rather than waiting for them to sing the verses. I mean, this probably has like John Lennon and and, uh, Chopin and Mozart and Beethoven turning in their graves. Jimi Hendrix, you're fast forwarding to the middle part of the chorus. You need the build up, lady. Anyway, so in the middle of the film on Netflix and she'll watch a few minutes to see if it's worth committing two hours of my life to watch. I did an online ADHD test recently. The results came back. I had symptoms highly consistent with ADHD. But this seems to be a Generation Z thing. My mother constantly tells me to slow down. And yes, my friends and I live at a fast pace compared to our Gen X parents. God, I'm feeling old now. But at 26, we're pushing the top bracket of Generation Z. It turns out we love all things speedy. It's nothing to do when you look at the younger member of the generation where their attention span is indeed shorter. What's to say thanks to the 1.5 times and 2 times button? They just watch and listen to pretty much everything on fast forward. And Bella says, I used to listen to podcasts, speed it up. I had so much work to do. I'd, if it was a 45 minute podcast, um, she would listen to it on 1.5 speed. Throughout my degree, anything that's recorded, I listen to it on fast speed, especially when it's about medieval French. Ooh la la. I guess this podcast is like the polar opposite to everything Gen Z. I'll have to look at my Gen Z listenership. But I think I'm big with the over 60s, huge with the over 80s if they can turn on the device. But yeah, anybody sort of in their mid-20s probably won't listen to this rambling nonsense. I mean, if you if you listen to something 1.5 the speed, you're going to miss stuff, aren't you? Well, maybe that's how you can listen to this podcast, a 45-minute podcast of Chappie. You can just flick it through in maybe 20 minutes. It could be an absolutely perfect solution. But no, just, just smell the roses along the way. Take your time. I mean, this is the mantra of this podcast. This is the, the vein, the, the, the blood that's running through this podcast is just take your time. Take a deep breath. Not everything has to be rushed. Enjoy it, savor it. Skimming the surface, you're not getting into the true meat and potatoes of life. So another chapter of Saturday night for me, we forgot this. We also went to the pet store where I've got another collar for Maggie that doesn't fit her. Yeah, hey. And we're also looking for snails for uh, my darling's fish tank. Snails are absolutely marvellous to put in a fish tank. Snails will eat dead and decaying plant matter. If you're breeding your fish, freshwater snails avoid eating fish eggs. Many snails uh, like burrowing. This means they aerate your substrate, which helps prevent a toxic element buildup. And snails are scavengers. They eat debris and indeed waste. But they couldn't find any snails. We couldn't find any snails at the pet store. And I mean, could you go to the local French restaurant and uh, basically say, uh, yes, can I get some escargot to go? A toute vitesse, s'il vous plaît. Uh, you know, and you bring the snails out. And you, I, but yes, I want them alive, though. Can you bring them alive in a brown paper bag to go? 
Uh, yes, uh, yeah, forget, yeah, garlic butter uh, on the side, please. Thank you. So some of the things I discovered in the week, I discovered a new American cartoon called VeggieTales. And of course, the English character in the cartoon is basically a posh asparagus. Yes, a posh asparagus portrays the English uh, chap in the cartoon here. And also, I never realized this also, the cartoon has a hidden religious context. I mean, why would you have a posh-sounding phallic asparagus in it then? I mean, who knows? That's terrible sort of thing. And also considering if I, if I ever went to Disney World, is it possible if I went to the Epcot Center, could I just stay in British land for five years? And Elon Musk says the fun police were behind a Tesla recall of the feature that made fart and goat noises. The affected vehicles were the Model S and Model X, Y, and certain Model 3Ss. Elon Musk is blaming the fun police for the latest recall affecting 500,000 Tesla vehicles. Last week, the National Highway Traffic Safety Association announced in a report of 578,000 Tesla vehicles should be recalled due to the company's boombox feature, which according to an insider, a software update that allows drivers to play unique sounds outside of the vehicle. The sounds range from those mimicking farts, goats, snakes, and a saxophone, according to a 2020 tweet by Elon Musk. What's the rationale behind the boombox recall? Uh, the report tied the latest safety recall for Tesla vehicles. The NHSTA said the boombox feature could potentially affect pedestrians' ability to hear and required a pedestrian warning sound. Okay, I've got the solution here. So let, let, let's just start up uh, let, start up my Tesla here. All right, here we go. Let's get it revved up. And then in the new Tesla uh, boombox, we, ha we have a warning sound for pedestrians. And uh, one more time after the software update. And let's accelerate into Trump or Tron boom very quickly here. The stick with a sock and condoms on it named a dill don't after being found by a shock passerby. A shock passerby stumbled across a stick with a sock and several condoms rolled over it in a wooded area. The unnamed person said the suspect device was apparently used for nefarious means. Happy Valentine's Day to all. Found this scene just off the downs in Bristol last year. The photo depicts a stick half covered with a sock and then three discarded condom packets laying around it. And whoever left it there must have been a stickler for safe sex. And pieces of Lego are still washing up on a British beach a whole quarter century after a shipwreck dumped millions of them into the sea. Residents and tourists still regularly find small items from the children's toy on beaches in Devon and Cornwall after a freak storm tipped over the large shipment. The Tokyo Express cargo ship was roughly 20 miles off the coast of Land's End en route to New York on the February the 13th, 1997, when it got into trouble and deposited 63 containers carrying 5 million pieces of Legos into the sea. Oh God, I would prefer to step on jellyfish than Lego on a beach. Does that ever happen to you in the night when you wake up in the middle of the night, if you have children, and then you step on a piece of Lego whilst going to the bathroom? Ouch! And Euro Toloshka, a bodybuilder from Kazakhstan, revealed he wants to find a way of having sex with himself this year, but shared that he's able to 
uh, pleasure himself while sniffing his own scent. Chatting to host Pete Wicks and CeCe Coleman on the dating show, he revealed that he wanted to broaden his uh, encounters. I want to try new experiences. But uh, last year claimed to be madly in love with an ashtray he found at a nightclub has taken the term self-love to a whole new level and admit he's currently seeking advice as he loved to sniff his own armpits and he can basically get off doing that. Oh, the magical aroma of loader old ballsack. Mysterious and enigmatic island in the UK is claimed to be one where the Great Pyramids of Scotland its owner says it's not for sale. TV presenter and famous spoonbender Yuri Geller has owned the island for 10 years and told the Daily Star that he has no intention of selling it. As the lover of ancient Egypt, he snapped up the island in the 4th of North Berwick because it has won three rocky outcrops which is said to mirror the layout of the pyramids at Giza. Yuri describes the land as one of the most significant sites in Britain and is a keystone to British mythology. Speaking at the time of purchasing the Rome Island, I'm fascinated by the connection between the pyramids and those islands. Yuri Geller says, yes, I still own Lamb Island and will never sell Lamb Island unless Jeff Bezos makes me an offer I can't refuse. When I heard Lamb Island was for sale, I felt a strong instinctive urge to buy it. And the more I delved into the history and archaeological lore that surrounds it, the more certain I became this is one of the most significant sites in Britain. He believes a theory that the island contains lee lines and mysterious invisible paths that douses claims able to sense the flowing lines of energy and link the most of the world's significant archaeological sites. I'm a deep believer in what Carl Jung called the synchronicity the power of connections between things that are linked by forces we don't understand so again yuri geller won't sell the mystical pyramid island called lamb island unless jeff bezos offers him 15 billion in amazon spoons And uh, before we go, I think we should bring this to the listeners. Is this right in our listenership and audience bracket here? The Rolex Rippers, the female gang of thieves terrorizing Middle England, posing as flirty charity workers with clipboards. They struck more than 60 times in the past year, robbing men of their luxury watches. The Ferrari was new. That was a problem. Normally, Jerry 71 programs the passenger doors as a Ferrari to lock when he's in the driver's seat for no reasons. It was a Sunday morning in May, and it's one of his first outings. Jerry and six of his friends had driven to the number of high-value cars to meet for a light breakfast. It was a weekend ritual that... Uh, that day, the destination with the Goodwood Kennels in West Sussex, a private clubhouse on the South Downs, and the weather was indeed glorious. After their coffee at about 10.30, Jerry walked back to the car and lowered himself into the driver's seat. It was a perfect morning to take the roof off. So he fired up the engine, clicked the button, and waited for the roof to come down, while his friend Peter reversed his Porsche out of the space next to him and drove away in peter's place appeared a woman she was in a young in her 20s leaning down into jerry's car from the passenger side through the open roof proffering a clipboard she said it was a campaign for deaf and blind people to my surprise jerry says she opened the passenger door the automatic lock function was not on and started its performance of pleading with me to sign the paper while i was trying to push her away without me realizing it she released the clasp of my watch it was a rolex submariner worth fifteen thousand dollars 
So all of you out there fearful of the uh, Rolex rippers, and I'm sure we've got a few listeners out there who do like a vintage Swiss uh, timepiece, the best thing to do, you've got the double clasp there. Put a bit of double-sided sticky tape in the clasp. That's going to make it a lot more difficult for the Rolex ripper to rip off your Rolex. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. Delightful and delicious to have you here. Delicioso. Ah, another week starts. Monday is on our heels. But hopefully, listening back, some of the library, some of the back catalogue of Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese will keep you calm so you can carry on. Why not spoil yourself with some sort of carb-laden treat? I think I'm going to make myself a bowl or several bowls of ramen noodles this week. Nice and spicy, some sriracha sauce. I have some beautiful broth that I got, some beautiful bone broth. I think I'm going to make that. And of course, you need to finish it with a runny yolk. And lastly, this week, uh, <laughs> so it's a big it's a big debate between the British and the Americans, myself and my darling. Yeah, the soft-boiled egg. Americans seem to hate the soft-boiled egg. And my, my girlfriend did warn me that if she ever dies, and she was a little bit worried the other day because she felt that she had a hard-boiled egg that basically was slightly... It wasn't runny, but the yolk wasn't rock hard. I think she likes her eggs with a yolk rock hard. And she was worried that the yolk was perhaps maybe an 8 or 10 minute yolk instead of the 55 minute yolk that she normally likes. And, and also she said to me she doesn't like the yolks. I mean, this is insanity. Anyway, she was fearful that she could die of potentially a soft-boiled egg. And if she dies of soft-boiled egg, salmonella poisoning or whatever it is, she is going to come back and haunt me for the rest of the life whenever I eat a soft-boiled egg in the stupid little dish, as she calls it. I call it an egg cup. She will haunt me every time I dip the soldier into the runny unctuousness of the soft-boiled egg. She's going to haunt me. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the soft-boiled egg-hating ghost. Thank you for joining me today on the podcast. Yes, keep coming, cauliflower cheese. Clickety-click, 166 episode today. Like and subscribe where you can. Uh, if you like the audio version, which is basically me rabbit, 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 rabbiting on for a whole hour of uh, nonsense and delectable deviousness, then... You can listen on Apple Music, Spotify, Breaker, Slacker. You can listen on Audible, iHeartRadio, Pandora. Basically, though, if you um, crack a soft-boiled egg and just, just, as you whip the, you know, and I, ta- I, I like to cut the tops of my soft-boiled egg with an old Turkish sword, one of those curved swords, an old scarab sword. I just cut the top off the egg. And as you do that, as, you, as the swiftness of the top, cutting the top of the egg, you can hear Keep common cauliflower cheese emanating from the top of a soft-boiled egg. Yes, you can hear it absolutely everywhere. But if you like music, you can have some Matt Monroe, some Roy Orbison, Bobby Brown. You can have some Matthew Wilder, some Kiss, some Gorillaz, some Elton John, some Prince, some uh, Human League, also some Ian Jury and the Blockheads, if you like your music. But coming up next, we do have a poem. This poem is Coffee and Sneezy. 
patter on the pane, pitter on again, nailing a tail on a fourth ten gale, lock a locket tight, tenter is the night, hooked on the spy of a spider's eye, when eleven calls crawling up the walls, bolt a howling door, while the loft mice roar, spin a growling oak, heaven even soak, weave a dryer through, till horizons glow. A lot of people in the US are getting President's Day off tomorrow, wouldn't you just love, I think everybody needs a February holiday. Uh, first of all, you need a lesson how to say February, uh, rather than February, February, uh, but everybody needs that. Wouldn't it be so nice to have, oh, 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 tomorrow, 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 tomorrow and tomorrow. I will be back next week, though. Keep calm and cauliflower cheese. Chappy out. Cheerio for now.